As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We've got a very special guest today. Recording artist Tommy Vexed. How's it going, buddy? It's good, man. It's good to see you again. Sorry, the the last time we uh, I mixed up the schedule because I had driven into LA from Vegas. I guess so apologies but we made it work today so yeah glad to be here yeah i mean i guess i could have just rescheduled in person because i'm going to be in vegas saturday through whenever for that shot show nonsense it's always i'm pro- i'm sure i'm gonna get sick i've been to it before i went in 2017 um it's cool it's just you know i was just at the olympia like conventions are just kind of like uh It's, they're they're fun, but it's also like a giant bacteria festival. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like you may yeah. as well go hang out at a, or hang out with your kids after they've been at daycare all day. It's just people mm-hmm. spreading pestilence, RSV, and whatever the fuck else. Um. Anyways, yeah, this has uh, been a long time coming. Uh, I, I think you've got a pretty. There's a, there's a couple of people specifically in the entertainment industry that have been. Uh, fucked around with, I guess, because of their political beliefs. And, you know, uh, I wonder, I I think yours is a pretty interesting example. So let's get right into it. Uh, Explain, okay, you were were part of a band, a very successful one, and then things kind of went, kind of went sideways. Can you take me through that whole process? Yeah, yeah. So I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Mm -hmm. I mean, So bad. So I've been a singer for since I was like 16 years old. I'm 40. Um, in my 30s, I wound up doing a stint singing for five 
thing or death punch for a tour so ivan could go to rehab mm. uh after that i got signed by the same record label and the band one of the two bands i was working on we we put a record out right um i had done a cover of zombie the cranberries uh, I managed to get in touch with Dolores and send her the song. She wanted to sing on it. Then she passed away the night before going into the studio. We released the song. I donated 100% of the proceeds from my royalties to her children's trust fund, which we created. And it was we were just supposed to keep going on doing life. You know, nothing was supposed to change. Song went viral. Um, it's got like 500 million streams on YouTube. It's got billions of streams worldwide, whatever. Band blows up. Now we're playing arenas. So it was a pretty good run for a couple of years. And I was the primary songwriter. I wrote all the wrote all the hit songs with my, my creative partner. Um, and the band was kind of a backing band. Uh, at, in 2020, I, we, when everybody went into lockdown, I had just come back from a European tour with Megadeth. And... You know, like everybody, all right, two weeks to slow the spread, right? Okay. Right. And it was like a month, and it's like, mm, that's kind of, this is a little bit much. Uh, and that, and just from, like, networking with people, I, I had a couple of friends, which it sounds weird, but I had a couple of friends who were, one was an immunologist and the other one was a virologist. They're both metalhead guys. And we started chit-chatting, then it, it's turned into talking to other people and I, I really I really didn't drink the punch um, so first I started uh, first I had made some remarks publicly that I felt like something might be off that got that started some of the internal attacks um, with the media and then uh, the Black Lives Matter riots took place in Los Angeles and you know they destroyed my buddy's sneaker store they burned down downtown santa monica which mm -hmm. is like where it's where i got sober uh me and a bunch of my bodybuilder friends from from golds we actually that the next morning we went and we got thousands of dollars worth of brooms and garbage bags and mops and we went and cleaned everything up ourselves and the cool thing that what happened was when we got there there were thousands of people there and everyone was helping clean and it was really amazing and the news didn't show it and that started me investigating into blm and so this was in like uh, i can't remember when the george floyd's riots happened it's probably sometime in june I'm yeah guessing, june of 2020 yeah yeah so so then i made a marker video and that video went viral and basically i traced back some of the suspects who were affiliated with act blue some of the political suspects uh, in the Democratic Party, as well as one um, billionaire faux philanthropist um, financial terrorist. <laughs> who I, I don't even say his name anymore because if you do it, they don't like air. Oh, I don't give a fuck. So you're talking about George Soros, who, by the way, his son was uh, at, has been at the Biden White House six times in the last six months. Yeah. One yeah. of his sons. I think it's Alexander yeah. Soros is the uh, is the heir apparent. He's a cunt too. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's re he's also responsible for the loan that caused Taylor Swift to lose all of her masters. Mm. That's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, so I I said these things. The whole everybody went crazy. That was the beginning of it. Then I I lost my uh, I lost like a thirty thousand dollar microphone endorsement. JBL speakers dropped me. Um, AKG microphones dropped me. 
the press went after me. Um, but the video I made got 37 million views in four days. And it wound up on World Star Hip Hop. And, like, you know, the fucking guys at the pizza place started calling me woke brother. Everybody knew where, you know, I was flying to Miami. I, I was eventually, I just got over COVID. And I was like, yo, I'm not sitting in LA anymore and I'm mm -hmm. going wherever I want. And so it's just, I continue to be outspoken. And, um, you know, it was, it basically, it basically came down to, um, you know, I, the, the final kill shot for me was I put on a MAGA hat, which I, I had moved to Huntington beach because uh, I didn't want to deal with COVID anymore. Cause I, at, once I had left the state of, of California, I realized that it was political and that the only places that were closed were places that were run by Democrats. Mm -hmm. And so I moved to Orange County on a, you know, Tito Ortiz gave me the tip to move down there. Cause I wanted to have a gym every day and go out to the beach and act, and everything was normal there. So, um, my, the, I was running a house at the beach and the, the, homeowner who i was renting from met donald trump and got a hat for me and i put the hat on and i posted on instagram and i was like look you know and i was like uh after a lot of research and i have to say that i'm gonna vote for donald trump you know what i mean and it was the most covered um it was the most covered news article on a on a rock musician yeah uh, I, I think in a decade. Well, that's it because Rolling like, Stone is busy posting pictures of uh, Joe Carter and I have on their front cover instead of, you know, actual musicians. Yeah. It, it's, but you know, I, I find this really interesting because um, the reason it probably got so much traction is that historically speaking, <laughs> Musicians and artists have been the group of people who are kind of on the forefront of the dissent and anti-establishment movement, right? Um, Correct. And now it is flipped. The, the musicians and artists in Hollywood we see these days are talking heads for a, like a, an authoritarian leftist government. I don't know if you saw Jimmy Fallon's latest production where he's singing. About, I mean, that, that's one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen in my life. And, you know... If you had pulled something like that back in the day, like if, man, just imagine during um, uh, uh, <clears throat> Lyndon B. Johnson's administration, if uh, Johnny Carson on late night was doing a little song and dance about how we should get more involved in Vietnam. You know what I mean? Like that would have been completely unacceptable. And nobody, he would have been laughed off the fucking stage. And now it's just that's just how it is, right? Well, it would have been a career ender. And I think it's also, too, you have to look at how the how the the this is also part of the hold of communism right and and a controlled market versus a free market right in a free market it, you know if if the public was like fuck this and up in arms about what a performer did it would literally kill the show and they'd be like yo we have to pull the plug in a controlled market they're like, no, you fucking peasants, shut the fuck up, and you're going to eat the bullshit that we're showing yeah. to you, and you're going to fucking like it or else. And it doesn't have to be a controlled market in the sense that the government owns NBC. It's that they own the FCC, and they control what goes on over the airwaves and how much you have to pay them. And we've a couple of years ago, I think it was 2017, a big report came out. It was actually in the New York Times about how the FCC was uh, – it, it's, it's very similar to uh, the FDA. So – the FCC takes millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, actually, and what are effectively bribes from mm -hmm. 
like broadcast companies to keep their shit going. Uh, and we've, mm-hmm. we found the same thing about the FDA as well. A bill passed sometime in the mid 2000s that it, under the guise of, well, the government shouldn't be paying to, to regulate the pharmaceutical companies, so we're going to make them pay the bill. But really what it turned into was you can pay to play now. Like you, if you're a drug manufacturer, you can pay the FDA to approve your drug. Right. And that's kind of how it is. I just want to make that clear for people because they think like, well, the, technically it's not like Canada, like CBC in Canada is literally owned by the government. Uh, and and yeah. Al Jazeera is literally owned by the government of Qatar. Right. So there's there's state run media and then there's state run media that isn't actually owned by the state. You're just using uh, regulatory leverage to, to run that. And that's what's happened now. Correct. I mean, and I, I think. It, it, it goes through, I mean, the FDA is, it goes through the food too. A lot of people don't realize that, that, you know, when, when a lot of these people are like, Oh, I want to buy free range chicken eggs or this, or the other, the title free range is for sale. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, uh, uh no, everything is fake. You know, it's like, yeah. the more you learn about it, you're just like, like organic, organic the is the same the way, like certified yeah. or sort of certified organic. It costs like, uh, if you have a large farm, it's like five million bucks, and you can do anything you want to, but it still says sort of says certified organic. I think the only one that's actually legit is kosher because they actually give a fuck about the outcome. It's not just a well, yeah, propaganda thing. Yeah, it's well, it's because their religion is is binds them to it. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, so um, yeah, I, I forgot where we were going, but uh, yeah, it, the um, so anyway, I got canceled. I put on a MAGA hat. Everybody lost their minds. My record label um, and the, my band members who who were, who were employees, basically, uh, you know, they basically decided I had to go. And in the beginning, it was amicable, and I was ready to leave because I looked at the opportunity and I was like, okay, I have I have like probably without I have hundred a hundred times the followers. Um, I'm the primary songwriter. This is a bad contract anyway. They're promising to give me all my music and just let me go if I just leave and give them the name. It's a, it's definitely a fair deal. Um, and so we worked together to make this uh, press release. And then I did the press release and started a GoFundMe. And the GoFundMe made like $200,000 that weekend to pay for the studio bill that the label said they weren't going to cover. The record label got mad. Then they said, "We're not letting you out of your contract. We're not giving you your songs. We're we're gonna shelf you. You're not in your own band." Blah blah blah. And it turned into a whole big thing. I can't really get into the specifics of because there was a settlement involved. Um, but there was some there was some like very vehement racist things that happened. Um, it was public and. Uh, you know, we went in. My my attorneys and I went into court with them. They I sued them. They countersued me. Uh, uh, we settled in one day, and uh, I walked away with what I with quite an a hefty abundance. Um, yeah, to my appeasement, and mm-hmm. then that was the end of it. Um, and and I thought that was the end of it, but then even so, even though legally we had come to this position. Uh, the band's failure to succeed in my absence caused further resentment. And then I had hackers. I mean, they, they hacked my e- email. My Instagram was deleted. 
I finally got you know it took like six months to get a hold of somebody at Meta. They said it was hacked. It was hacked externally. It was a very sophisticated, very expensive hack. Um, you know, so I'm on my third Instagram profile. Uh, every time I get to 200,000 followers, they shut it down. So it's just it's just one of those things. You know, there was like some of the conservative festivals, like they invited me to play that year. And in 2021, I went out and I sold out all, pretty much 80% of all my tours alone. Um, and I did a festival and I opened up for Limp Bizkit and outsold Limp and merch. But I went on stage and I criticized the media for their portrayal of law enforcement. And I talked about COVID and I talked like, and I really went in, you know, and, um, you know, then it became, you know, then the, the powers that be were like, we can't, this guy can't be on festivals. Like we can't have him. He's riling up the crowd, you know? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot, like I've talked to a lot of my buddies in the music industry. They had, uh, I'm, I'm, I won't mention any of the, or uh, the promoter, or organization names for legal reasons, obviously, but so, some of the big ones that have venues all over the country were assigning, like if you had, if you're a larger band, like a four or five person band with a lot of pyro and, and setup, you've got two or three personnel buses and then a three or four more uh, trucks with equipment shit on it. They were assigning a, 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 a medical expert quote unquote per vehicle to travel to make sure everybody was following the rules. And the medical expert is probably just some fucking PA, right? He's some intern or some shit that has no medical experience. Just got like a clipboard, like, Oh, is everybody wearing a mask? Like these people are around each other 24 hours a day for six to eight months at a time. Sometimes you think they're going to fucking be able to avoid spreading to each other. What I mean, it's fucking dumb. No, you're li- well. You're living on a bus, and the bus is an incubator for germs. That's mm. why if someone on tour gets sick, everyone's we everyone just is like gets ready to get sick. You know, and I've been touring for twenty years. It's, um, it's just one of those things. Like in in twenty twenty one, they, I, me and Struggle Jennings, we only did, we only did non, um, vaccine mandated mm-hmm. and non mask mandated venues, and we even got some pushback because we had you know, the rule, the science kept changing. So like, you know, we played in LA and Sacramento and when we booked the shows, they said, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to go by all these rules. By the time we rolled around to play them, uh, the rules came back. Mm. And so I, I threatened to pull the shows and literally day of, I was like, yo, I'm not, if you, if you make people wear masks or you ask people for their ID shows over. Mm. And I was like, you already paid me. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'll just, say I lost my voice. I'm like, so you'll lose money twice. And I don't give a shit about my reputation, but like, you're not going to do this to my fan base. My fan base are not with this shit. Mm -hmm. I'd rather play in the parking lot for free. You know what I mean? So it's funny how it's one of those things. Like what I, what, what we learned in 2021 and is that it's will it, the will to, to overcome those people don't have much fight. They're not motivated the same way that we are. And when you actually put your foot down and you're like, this is what I believe. These are my principles. These are the rules. And like, otherwise fuck off. Mm -hmm. They're like, Oh, you know, they're like, Oh, fuck. They don't know what to do. You know? Yeah. I think about all the, uh, all the personalities and, um, the companies that have pretty much won the culture war for lack of a better phrase. Now there are some, 
there's some people that I personally think are just grifting on things like uh, I, that my pillow guy, I'm not a big fan of that guy, but, um, mm-hmm. barstool, I'm not really cl- like politically aligned with barstool. I think they're, uh, it's, it's a bit of a clown show from time to time, but they leaned into the sure. culture war and told everybody to, you like what we're doing. Fuck you. And Rogan did it. Everybody in Rogan's comedy tree did it pretty much. Like we don't give a fuck. Bill Burr was canceling shows that were requiring vaxes and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Um, all those people, uh, and then one of our good friends, Andy Priscilla, might be, in my opinion, other than Rogan, he might be the biggest, most successful personality to have done this. Just like, fuck you. We don't believe yeah, Like the burden, you're, you're asking people to sacrifice their their livelihood and sacrifice their liberty, and you're not giving them a good reason for it. And the burden of proof, if you're asking people to do that shit, is on you, not on us. So fuck you, right? I mean, and it's it worked out really. It worked out really well for most people who just stood their ground. In the end, yeah, it, it, it definitely did. But it, it, and that's why, you know, people get offended by like the like pure blood hashtag or this that the other. And it's like, look, people are allowed to be proud that they did not bend the knee, right? It's like we had. You know, my mom's vaccinated, right? But you know what I do? I send her to the doctor. She goes to the cardiologist now to get checked up mm. vis-a-vis me because I know what's going on. I'm not ignorant. I'm not going to watch all these sports, uh, these professional athletes who are supposed to be the most healthiest of of the population just dropping, mm. you know, whether they, whether they pass out or have a heart attack or, you know, tragically die. You know, it's like, and it, it becomes un, it becomes forbidden to discuss when these things happen. And you see, like, I, I'm, I can't, the, it's Hamlin, right? The guy yeah, Damar Hamlin, that, yeah. Damar Hamlin. Um, and I, I was in the barbershop in Vegas watching that happen live, and the first thing I thought was like, oh my God, like, this, uh, the football players are all crying. Mm. I've never seen a guy go down in a hit, and... And I'm 40. Like I've never seen everyone, everyone start crying. And I also have friends. Like I have friends who have won, you know, the Super Bowl. I know football players. I know that they're afraid. Their wives are nervous. They're scared for their kids. None of them wanted to do this, and they did what they had to do for their jobs. And they, like a lot of people, but they're afraid because they are. They're worried that, oh, what if it's me next? Mm. And I tweeted this, and the amount of the amount. Well, I, I definitely got hit trolled by bots, but the resistance to this conversation and connecting these dots is so vehement with some people. And I'm like, listen, if you got if you got this medicine, if you got this experiment, cool. I'm not here to harp on you. I'm here to tell you please go to the doctor and go to a cardiologist and get your shit checked Yeah, because something's going on. And they, and they, and I could imagine, I try to put myself in in that person's situation in that person's, um, what their perspective is and why they're so afraid. And then I started to realize, Oh, these people forced their kids to get this shit. Mm. They, they put, they pressured their friends and family to get this shit. And now imagine if it comes out that this stuff is lethal over time, that they just pretty much coerced people they loved into a death sentence, you know, or or just to make or just to 
complicate their their health for the rest of their life. Right. So their yeah. so their anger at us for for saying hey something's wrong is completely and wildly misplaced, and we have to return. Society has to return to a place where we're allowed to have conversations because we will never fix the problem if we're not even allowed to address it in public discourse. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's you know me me personally uh, I, I'm pretty familiar with a lot of this stuff. The Hamlin thing didn't uh, strike me as necessarily a standout COVID-related cardiac event. And to be clear, uh, you can develop pericarditis and myocarditis just from getting COVID as well. And it is mm-hmm. more likely in uh, the same group of people, which is to say men under 25, right? Uh, technically mm-hmm. men under 28, but especially under 25. But it's it's more likely from the shot. Right, it's like one in five thousand yeah, dudes uh, under twenty-five can ex- will experience some something, whether it's an arrhythmia or something else. Right, um, so it's definitely something to take into consideration. I don't think it was that. I, I remember that Chris Pronger uh, chest shot uh, uh, in '98 where he went down, and it was the same mm-hmm. thing, commotion cordis. But uh, just to be able to talk about it should be that shouldn't be like a taboo thing because we know this is happening. Like, so an old dominion basketball player, it happened to him. He just collapsed right on the court the other day. That is a very good sign. And it's not like this hasn't been happening globally within, particularly with soccer, right? I think in Europe with the, yeah, the the soccer players that it, it it was, it's just, it was so many Mm -hmm. that that's the first thing you think about now, you know? And so whether it is or it isn't, we should, we still should talk about it. Everyone should talk about it. It was a major world event. Like, there was a thing, and it was, the whole world was involved, and then there was another thing, and the whole world was involved, and it was mandated, you know? Yeah, it doesn't like, It doesn't do anybody any favors to uh, obfuscate reality because the the point – and look, you know, I, there's certainly people on the, uh, the unvax side that could be a little bit more gracious about handling this situation for sure. Um, a lot of the yeah. a lot a lot of the right leaning political pundits were just I mean they effectively say like see I told you like that's not helping anybody man you're not going to win anybody to your side by being a dick about it but it is a conversation that needs to happen and well it's not it's not compassionate and this is what I've told people like just because like just because people gave me heat over my decision doesn't mean they deserve to die or to be ill for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that so it's a principle of forgiveness. Like, you know, like everybody. And but the thing is, I've been I've been dragged in the press. I've been this, you know, like forgiveness is a, is part of life, you know, especially if you have anything in the public eye or you say anything controversial, you just got to get over it, you know, and like all these people acted this way. And, you know, that's it. And every you know, a lot of people tried to drag me to my to my end because they were like joe biden is gonna save us and i was like well i'm pretty sure that everyone's a piece of shit and we're all fucked yeah and yeah he had 40 he had, we're all in the same boat he had 45 years <laughs> yeah. he, he had 45 years to save us and yeah. uh didn't so uh yeah probably not gonna probably not gonna do it now but yeah it's you know i i agree with you at this point um it's, it is important to hold people accountable, specifically people who wished harm on others. And 
people who try to uh, ouster people from society entirely because of their private medical decisions. Those people need to be held accountable. But for the average person that was pressured into making mistakes, look, man, this is this is counterinsurgency 101. You don't win by making more enemies. You win by getting people to understand reality and fight back against centralized power, right? That's That's kind of what I guess libertarianism is at its core and, and what, uh, in my opinion, is the only real answer to anything we've got going on in the country today is to decentralize power. I mean, we surrender so much of our personal liberty out of convenience and fear these days that, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a little bit more convenient for me to order shit on the internet or to hand my child an iPad instead of taking them out and playing catch because I'm busy. But there's a price to pay for that shit. You know what I mean? There's a price to pay for throwing your hands up in the air and, and calling somebody else a libtard or a fucking Nazi instead of having a conversation. Like, we as a society pay a price for that every time it happens. And the more it happens, the less likely it is that we're going to eventually recover from it, right? This episode is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. You get 20% off your first order using the code CITIZEN. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-operated company that supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. I drink it every morning. It's part of my routine now. Uh, I use the Chemex, um, grind up my coffee, use the Chemex, make a nice little cup, drink it with breakfast, get my day started right. Uh, You know, the, the best thing other than just the flavor because the coffee is really good is the convenience. So you're going to get premium coffee delivered every month as you see fit. Choose your favorite roast, whether you like light, dark, or medium. Uh, choose the grind, whether you want ground coffee or you want whole bean to grind yourself. Or if you want coffee rounds, which fit in the Keurig. And uh, your delivery schedule every week, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever you want. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use the code CITIZEN to get 20% off your first order. Oh, boy. Next up is Ghost Bed. You know it. I love these beds so much. I can't tell you. uh, When I'm on the road and we travel a lot, just having to sleep in an inferior bed drives me crazy. Uh, And as a lot of you know, I travel with my ghost pillow now, which seems, I don't know, bougie, maybe needy, maybe a little weird, but I can't sleep without it. Uh, luckily, they're the best in the world, and they're not that expensive. So right now, GhostBed is offering 40% off their bundle package, where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. So if you're looking to buy an entire bedroom suite, this is the way to go, because everything else you add to that order of, uh, of a mattress and an adjustable base will also be 40% off. If you're just looking for little things, onesie, twosie, if you just need a mattress or you just need an adjustable base or you need pillows, sheets, whatever, 30% off everything else if you use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. You can buy a mattress for like 35 bucks a month. Uh, if you use their zero down, 0% financing plan, which extends up to 60 months, six zero five years. Go check it out. Ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Last but not least, Fume. They're handcrafted wooden inhalers using cores infused with plant oil studied to curb cravings, peppermint, things like that. Um, They have some sweet ones as well. There's no harmful chemicals, no artificial flavors. It's all 
completely natural and there's absolutely no nicotine. So if you're trying to really quit, get off the nicotine as well, not just the cigarettes, this is probably going to be your best option. They've got thousands of five-star reviews from smokers who've tried everything else and finally found success with fumes. So whether you're a smoker or ex-smoker who still struggles with cravings, fume is the perfect tool for you. Head on over to breathefume.com slash citizen, B-R-E-A-T-H-E-F-U-M.com slash citizen. Use the promo code citizen to save 10% off your entire order. That is 10% off your entire order when you head to breathefume.com slash citizen and use the code citizen. Well, I, I agree. And I think that I think that the inception of the Internet has has done great things. But it also has done bad things because people are accustomed to, you know, they argue with an avatar on on a social media platform and yeah. it does not, it's, there's no um, empathy, right? Mm-hmm. When, if you and me get like this, this used to be that saying when I was growing up, it's like, when you're in the bar, you're not allowed to talk about politics or religion, mm-hmm. right? Because people would get into fist fights over it, you know, right. when they were drunk. But it's, most people are, are actually decent people, and when they interact in real life, it, even if they're arguing with each other, a, a genuinely good person, a decent human, is not going to say or do something to or, towards another if they can visibly see they're upsetting the sure. other person. Yeah, it's hard, and, to, it's hard to hate up close. Yeah, and the internet, well, because of multiple things, because of there's, on the on the positive spectrum, there's compassion, and there's empathy and you know and there's consequence on the negative spectrum right there are some things that i don't like i don't say certain things on the internet because i grew up in an age when i said things there were physical violent consequences Mm. right so if i was like hey fuck you to some guy he'd get out of his car and beat the shit out of me when i was 16 (laughs) years old that's how we learned yeah you know and then i'd be like god this guy kicked my ass like well what'd you do yeah yeah, I'm like, uh, throw a water balloon in his car, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I remember, uh, you know, growing up, certainly uh, if something happened to me that was negative, the question was always posed, uh, well, what did you do? What were you doing at the time? You know what I mean? Which is a reasonable thing to ask somebody. Now we're just all kind of victims. I want to jump in. Um, we're getting close yeah. to the midway point here. I want to jump into some of these principles. You talk about living a principled life, and I agree with you. Like a lot of people – have you know the the presidency and and american government has pretty much been a popularity contest for a very long time now especially since the invention of the radio especially um so we're talking about the early part of the 20th century but now it's like a personality cult it's it's not like you know oh i think you know jfk is a commie so i'm going to vote for nixon uh and nobody was sitting at home with a fucking picture of Richard Dixon on their wall talking about how great he was or wearing a hat yeah. with Nixon's name on it. It was just like, I don't like the other guy, so I'm about to vote for him, or I like what he says, so I'm voting for him. Now it's a full-blown personality cult. It's like instead of organizing yourself around principles, which are a very good foundation, they're immutable. They don't change. Like It's always a good thing to support and defend liberty against everybody, right? That's a, that, that will, no matter what happens – throughout the course of human history, that will always be a good thing. Instead, people mm-hmm. will choose to align themselves with personalities, right? Or move even movements to some degree. Like, how, what's your political stance? Oh, I like Trump. That's not a fucking political stance to like Trump. Yeah, that's, you just, that's, I like this person. Yeah. 
you so know. The first the first principle on the list is that it's all support and defend all enemies, uh, uh, liberty against all enemies, foreign and domestic. What what do you what comes to mind when you think about that? I mean, I you know I come from you know my father was a Vietnam veteran, my uncle was in Vietnam, my cousin was in Iraq. You know, my grandfather fought in World War II. My grandfather was, uh, he's a a Danish immigrant who fought the Japanese in Australia and and, and New Guinea and stuff. And they like freed POW camps. And, Mm. you know, so the the stories of the men in my family are, you know, there's a sense of responsibility that men are meant to stand up uh, against evil. Right, and there's the the famous quote. It's like evil wins when good men do nothing. Mm-hmm. Right, I think that's Churchill. Um, and you know, to me, it's there's been many times in, where I've been extremely angry, and I'm sure you, you and other and your listeners have felt this too. Is you know, watching what's unfolded over the past couple of years, especially, it feels like our country at times is under an occupation, and w- whether it's corporatized occupation or some nefarious uh, like enemy that we don't understand yet um you know it feels like we're being pushed in a direction by a conglomerate or a super pact of powers Mm. that do not have the the american people's best interests in mind and i find those people to be terrorists Mm. And so, you know, the frustrating part is like, well, we have no leadership to take action. We don't know. And that's part of the PSYOP, right? Part of what's going on is there's not a definitive target to look at and say, okay, these guys got to go. We got to get rid of these guys uh, under any circumstance because, you know, one party does one thing and then the the, the other party does the same fucking thing. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and people have blinders on 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 you know on the far left and the far right they want to see um they want to see their party as being the solution to the problem in america when they don't realize that them each and every one of us individually becomes the solution to the problem of what's going on in america yeah right yeah. And I, I think that your show i think what you're doing with this show is a good example of what people need to understand about their personal accountability towards their country and sometimes it doesn't have to be a violent uprising. You know, I just spent some time in Sweden and, you know, they didn't have COVID. It didn't happen there. Like, it it happened. But the government was like, yeah, we're going to lock everyone down. And the Swedish people very politely said, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. But, but the nation as a whole operated as one and said, that's cool. No, we're good. They were unsuccessfully. They were not successful in dividing the country with sure. fear, because of whatever they're doing that we're not doing. Well, it's indiv- right? it's individuality, right? So the the, the way for a, a a society to function at its peak is for uh, power to be vested at the very lowest level and and then spent upwards, right? So think about it this way: you have two options um, <clears throat> to to I guess, mobilize the energy of the individual. One is to empower them to do their own thing. And then, you know, there's problems that can come to that because people are going to choose different things. But you incentivize people with good ideas, right? Good ideas and structure 
uh, to opt in to things that make sense. And it puts the burden on anybody who may develop any kind of infrastructure to make sure it makes sense for most people. That means Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and we take care of that, but everything else you leave to the individual because people aren't going to buy in wholesale to a bunch of bullshit. Now, the other option is author- the only other option is authoritarianism. If you really want to harness the power of the individual towards a greater success for a society, either you have individuality that is promoted and it's promoted in a way that makes sense to the individual, or you're left with authoritarianism. And that's where we're headed now. Like the powers that be, I don't like to use, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I don't like to use impersonal pronouns. I don't like to say, oh, they're out to get me or whatever. I want to know exactly what the fuck's going on. And the Uniparty, the Republicans and Democrats, the political class, or if you uh, will, the aristocracy in America, whatever their original intent was, it's now very clearly to control people, right? Like we, we know best, we know what's the right thing to do, and we have to use whatever means available to us to either manipulate, convince, control people into doing those things. Well, that's completely wrong, right? That's, that's, that's absolutely antithetical to liberty in a well, society. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly it's exactly what our nation was founded against, mm. you know. And I, I don't know if this is a, you know, I don't know if this is just a historical wheel, making it's like full full circle um, of what the experiment of what America was supposed to be, you know, a free nation and governed by the people. And you know, if this was just the clock ticking out before people could grow to get enough power to turn it around. Um, back on itself. Um, I don't know if it, I don't know if our leaders are inspired by the way China runs the world. Um, I don't know. You know, it's strange to me that so many. Um, it's just so big. It feels so massive mm-hmm. when you consider academia is going in the same direction. Um, big tech is going in the same direction. The pharmaceutical companies are going in the same direction. Hollywood's going in the same direction. Both sides of the aisle are going in the same direction. And there are people who fought on on behalf of this, the super PAC, and they thought that they were the resistance in Star Wars, mm-hmm. but they were stormtroopers. Yeah, right. They they their their identity was so confused because they ingested the propaganda so voraciously that they they didn't stop to taste the food. Sure, yeah, and realize they were eating shit. Well, it's also the spent yeah. it's also the spent cost fallacy, right? Like they're so deep into it now, it doesn't they they think it doesn't make it's like you're walking on a path and you at what point after realizing you're on the wrong path do you correct course? And for most people, it takes way longer than it should because there's some psychological uh, 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 effect called the spent cost fallacy where people think, well, I've done this for this long, I may as well keep doing it. But that doesn't make any fucking sense, right? And the other principle is from Churchill, and it's that I think it's appeasement, right? They think, well, I agree with uh, these restrictions now, so I'm going to allow it to happen, and I'm even going to support it. But appeasement, as Churchill said, is uh, feeding the crocodile and hoping it eats you last, right? It's it's the it's the poem from uh, um, <clears throat> from World War II. First, they came for the socialists, and I wasn't a socialist. So I didn't say anything. Then they came for the trade unions. I wasn't trade unions, so I didn't say anything, and or I didn't stand up rather. And then they came for the Jews, and I wasn't a Jew, so I didn't stand up. And then they came for me, and there was nobody left to stand up for me. Right? This is why it is so critically important 
to live by this first principle and it's why it's first. I will support and defend liberty against all enemies, foreign and domestic, because I, I love America. I love what it stands for and its principle, but I love liberty more. You know what I mean? Like that, that's what, to, to, maybe there's synonyms in that regard. But when some people say America, they mean our system of government and the politicians that run it. I don't think that. To me, it is the idea, right, of America. Yeah, and also, listen, I, I'm someone who I benefited from the from the American dream being available in reality, right? I I was born. My mom was a crackhead. I, me and my twin brother were abandoned at the hospital when I was born. I got adopted, you know, and, and my dad did it. My mom and dad did the best they could, but you know, my father was an absolute alcoholic mess. And we didn't have money and he was a janitor and like I grew up on the street and then my, you know, I got involved in gangs and da, 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 da. like all this shit went on. But as long as I was accountable and I worked hard and I didn't, I, you know, I navigated learning to not cause harm to others and to be responsible, you know, then eventually I got sober I'm, and then I got to, I moved to California and I got a record deals and in my early twenties, even, even before I got sober, I traveled all over the world. Which I, which never happened, would have happened. All the people I grew up with, they're dead or in jail, and and that's the difference, right? In a in a free society, you can rewrite your story. It's not like the Middle Ages where you're born this and this and you'll die this. And I've been to other countries where that's the case. I've been to plenty of other countries around the world where whatever you're born into. That's what you're stuck with. Mm -hmm. And it's generational and you'll never get out of it. And that's just how it is. And I don't want that to be the case here. You know? Well, that's, that's a problem with, uh, you know, the welfare system, especially in America, you know, it, it, it creates a de facto caste system because there's no upward mobility intrinsic to the process. Like if you, you mentioned Sweden earlier, Sweden has, so Sweden's unemployment program is this. There's no, there's no statutory limit, right? So they don't, you don't get 24 weeks of uh, unemployment insurance uh, as long as you're looking for a job that time, or sometimes they extend it out to, to longer than that. In Sweden, you get unemployment insurance until you find a job, and the government, or, or not the government specifically, but either government or uh, uh, nonprofits in the area will help retrain you or whatever to make sure you get a new job and become a, because the purpose is to become a functioning member of society again, right? Like that should be, that should always be the purpose of any kind of charity, uh, whether it be government. Like I don't, I don't think the government should be spending money on welfare at all. But uh, I think private people should be doing that. But but that the point should be to return somebody to a position of independence because we can't fucking have dead weight. Yeah, I, well, that, that's the issue too. Is I think that as long as the government has anything to do with welfare, it'll the system will be broken. You know what I mean? I mean, you, ever, you know, the government runs the DMV. That's mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Like they keep, these people can't be in charge of distributing um, goods and services to 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 people who are in unfortunate situations. And there's also no, you know, it's like they prison is not, you know, they don't they don't rehabilitate people here. It's more, you know, because we have the industrialized prison complex. It's more financially beneficial and safe to keep the, the, the private prisons populated to like 96% so 
so they don't have to pay state state fines to the tunes of millions you know so this 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 you know when and that's the thing like being african-american uh, and i'm i'm mixed and having this having the dialogue in a constructive way about what is it actually what is what is systemic racism mm. right like systemic racism is not my white friends systemic racism is not the fact that there are white people systemic racism is has everything to do with the actual system in place by the government and the banking infrastructures and people who are basically juicing the system and making money whether it's through free labor or incarceration you know it, it we still haven't undone the redlining in the African-American neighborhoods that Nixon colluded with the banking infrastructure to go around and, and basically wherever there are black neighborhoods, these people who lived in these zones were not able to get bank loans to start businesses or, 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 or finance a home. Right. And they're also – another part of that deal with Nixon was uh, tax incentive. This is part of the Southern strategy, by the way, if, you're wanna, if you guys want to mm -hmm. look it up. Um, there was a man named Atwater who was deeply involved, and you can look it up. Um, <clears throat> but another part of that strategy was to incentivize companies to move their businesses uh, uh, out to the suburbs, like out of the inner city. And that made it uh, impossible for black and brown people that lived in inner cities to, to make their way out to those uh, jobs anymore. So it just increased welfare in the uh, – and government spending generally. But th this is what government does, right? And it's like they're a crack dealer. The first hit's always free, right? Or they try to put you in a position where they have the most possible control over you, whether it's financial or otherwise. That way you have to keep coming back. You have to stay loyal to them. You know what I mean? It's it's a very sinister fucking way to, to run a country, frankly. Yeah. Um, speaking of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So Go the, on, on. The next one uh, is, I'll do something every day to help my country. My countrymen are all men. Uh, that one popped off the page for you as well. What is that? What, what, what ran through your mind when you saw that one? I mean, to me, <clears throat> this where, where this kind of correlates in my life is like the principle of service. <clears throat> I've been sober 13 years. I also was a, I was a drug and alcohol counselor um, earlier on in my recovery, I, probably around four years. Uh, I started living with... Uh, I ran a men's rehab facility and then I got certified as a counselor and I started to work with celebrities and stuff helping them get sober. But, you know, the more those, those jobs paid me quite a bit and um, it gave me a lot of time to do free work with people who couldn't afford help and, and things like sponsorship, which I greatly benefited and benefit from, which is when you, when you offer services to help people in sobriety, for free you just you just fucking help, help them you show them where the it's like one homeless guy showing another homeless guy where the bread is and i think the those principles in recovery of altruism um they became the foundation for most of the what's good in me you know where i think a lot of people could use um and, and I, I specifically like to go to men's groups for these things, mm. but having a group of guys where you're like, instead of going and getting wasted on Saturday and you're like, yo, let's go feed the homeless, mm. you know, or like, let's go take, you know, like 
I've gone and spoken, you know, at the VA hospital countless times, you know, all over the country. And it's, no matter what I've done in my life, I always feel like there's two things that happen to me. During those meetings, I feel like I don't even deserve anything I have because I can't believe, yet again, even though I grew up in this, I can't believe what these men have given up and gone through. And then when I leave there, everything I eat tastes 10 times better, right? Everything that, every possibility or every, uh, every, I don't know, just everything we have as Americans has more value by being in touch with and spending time with someone who is willing to give up almost everything and pay the ultimate price to uphold what we have, what everyone's taking for granted. Yeah. You know, what's funny about that. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's spoken historical tradition that used to be history, right? So, uh, every culture before the invention of language. And then a lot of them, even including, or even after the invention of language, like, uh, the Hebrew, the Hebrews were, were deeply into this, um, back in the day. Um, was spoken word tradition, and so were the native uh, native North Americans all over North America. Um, there was some impetus on the elders in a community to share their experiences with the younger people, right, at different stages in their life, whether they're young men or whether they're children. And that was how it was. It was almost a rite of passage, right? Because our goal as a society is to improve every single generation and, and protect our descendants from some of the bullshit we had to deal with. But the, the reality is that a lot of the bullshit we had to deal with made us the men and women that we are. Right. So telling those stories and making sure people know about it, making sure people, even if it's just, uh, you know, by hearing about it, making sure they experience and have some perspective on those things is really important. And, I think it's. I think the inverse of that is what I tell people to do in in this principle, which is if you can turn your pain and suffering into empathy for other people, then you can solve a lot of problems. You can save your life and their life, right? In a lot of cases, and that's kind of where you know we've lost purpose as a culture. Our purpose has been to make money or to be famous or whatever the fuck else stupid shit is. It doesn't. It doesn't. Listen. It doesn't fix it. Yeah. I, I like I'm somebody who experienced that stuff. I've I it doesn't I've had I had all of it. All of it. Money, all chicks, being on stage in front of three hundred thousand screaming fans, you know, all that shit. It doesn't you know, the I like I'm I'm a I believe in God and I call it the God shaped hole. Right? Some people feel like the hole is the their purpose. And I think that there's a there's been a moral descent in the in in our culture where people are not trying to reach for something higher right you see like most kids now if you ask them what they want to be they say influencer mm. what the fuck is that right when i was a kid i wanted to be a paleontologist right <laughs> like i don't know like i was fascinated by science when you know and then i then i was like i want to be a rock star you know, my friends were like, I want to be a fireman or a police officer or like, you know, so, someone would be like, I want to be the president of the United States. Kids now are like, I want to be an influencer. Mm. I want to play on my phone all day and get paid to not do anything. 
Yeah, that's that's the ambition, you know, and that's not. Yeah, it's not good. No, it's not great. I mean, but to be honest, you know, you can you can carve out niche work for yourself like that, but that shouldn't be what your life is about. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the goal of getting past the point of mere survival, which is to say we've built walls around ourselves to keep our family safe from the cold and from predators. Then we built uh, walls around our cities, you know, and, and, and both literally and metaphorically over the years. The purpose of all that mm-hmm. was not just to do better for ourselves, but to make sure that everybody's taken care of. That was the point of all of it. It wasn't like... The, the purpose of building civilization wasn't just so you can stop working. You know what I mean? That's fucking dumb. Why would it be that? That's, that's it, what business model it, it where is, is that the case? You know what I mean? Where it's like, Oh, we, once we get to this point, we're just going to coast like, all right, cool. You're going to go out of business, bud. Cause that's not how that works. Uh, and we're, we're going out of business as a country right now. Well, that it's also what happens with, you know, Andy was talking about this the other day in a show, like, when a lot of guy, a lot of guys who are businessmen who work their whole lives, when they retire, if they don't get busy, they die. Right? People, people who are retired, if they don't have anything to live for, and they're not, you know, grinding or doing something where they're, it's making them feel alive, and they don't have a sense of purpose, you know, you you lose the light. Mm. You start, you start to, you know, you start making your way out to pasture, and that shouldn't be something that that kids want you know you shouldn't want to be like oh i want to be an influencer and then i'm just gonna do nothing by the time i'm 30 like what <laughs> yeah i mean you're gonna live a fucking bizarre. miserable life if, if you do that to be honest i mean we, we see people yeah. how other than people with high stress jobs like military police first responders uh postal workers the most common drug overdose and suicide groups typically are celebrities of some sort right or or wealthy people particularly second generation wealthy people so people whose parents were wealthy but they didn't actually do anything to get wealthy themselves yeah i i I actually don't know the statistics of that and then again i work on a on a ground level where i actually I'm, i'm exposed to for every like one you know celebrity there's like there it's what we see so we are not seeing how many people are affected and and are dying at the bottom level as well? Mm-hmm. For example, you know, in twenty from twenty seventeen to, to to the beginning of COVID, statistically more people died of fentanyl uh, and opioid overdose than the Vietnam War on both sides. Yeah, I think eighty thousand. But, but that's just, not a pandemic. I think eighty thousand just last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, which 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 it's. To to just it, it's so frustrating that that this is not getting the attention that it needs. Um, just no, and as someone who like when I got sober, I was homeless, right? I had drugged my way into homelessness. I had a truly hit rock bottom, you know. And so, a lot of these policies in San Francisco and in New York or in Portland, where they're assisting people in getting drugs and assisting them with drug kits and and decriminalizing the public use of 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 drugs is i'm like you're, you're just sentencing these people to a, a steady death right that's all you're doing it's assisted suicide you know and so um 
yeah, I don't know what the statistics are on who's the who is the most highly calibrated, um, not highly calibrated, but the 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 highest level of who is suffering from this the most. Mm. But too many people are. Yeah, certainly. I it, the total number is obviously going to be quite a bit more uh, uh, regular folk because there's quite a bit more regular folk, but st- uh, 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 by percentage. The second generation, or or I guess casually achieved wealth, is mm. is one of the primary. I mean, you you know plenty of people that are on the touring schedule and how fucking brutal that can be, and and how yeah, it's yeah. just always in your face. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But then then again, you and I both know plenty of people who go on those tours and they're fine. They just like you the way you do it now. It's just like you don't have to do that stuff anymore to have fun on the tour. So you know, it, it's. The you la- just have to get, some people never get past the threshold. Most people can't get a year sober. That's the, the bottom line. Mm. They can't do it. If you if, if every every night like after ninety days, if you've been consistently drinking and drugging, your brain swelling will start to go down, and it'll be a little bit more bearable. But that's why we have markers for ninety days, six months, and then a year. Uh, and some people do nine months too, just because. They need a chip, whatever. Mm. But it's almost impossible to get, and it's habitual, right? Any Anything that you do for 90 days, it's supposed to become part of your habit. Mm-hmm. That's why they say you should do, if you're in recovery, you should do 90 meetings in 90 days. A lot of these people in these touring situations can't get the consistency of, of getting plugged in that much, and they would hire somebody like, you know, someone like me. This is what the kind of job that I would do. So I would travel with people. And then my responsibility would be like, okay, we're here. Like I create their schedule and I'm on top of them um, till they're okay. But it's most people can't afford that. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly. I mean, that's, you know? that's, that's <laughs> cost prohibitive healthcare seems like. Yeah. kind of fucked up to me to be honest we live in the richest most powerful country in the history of the world and you as a citizen of that country can be as healthy as you can afford to be right mm-hmm. that's you know i'm I'm pretty libertarian but i feel like maybe our uh, uh charitable institutions are failing us if that's the case right it shouldn't be that way um yeah and and let's see let's jump we're running short on time here, but let me jump into this last one. It's I'll live a, a life worth dying for. What does that mean to you? A life worth dying for? Well, I mean, I'll just break. Like, I mean, I got murdered in 2010. So, uh, interestingly enough, uh, my uh, my place was broken into in Brooklyn in 2010. My brother was... Uh, my my twin brother, who's a little bigger than I am, was on a drug bender, and uh, he bashed my skull with a crowbar. He beat me and broke my spleen. My spleen burst, broke my arm. Um, we fought for a few, probably two minutes. Eventually, I got away from him, um, and I collapsed in my neighbors. Uh, they called 911. <laughs> so anyway, I got rushed to the hospital. I died in the ER. I had a whole new death experience and I saw my entire life flash before my eyes. And, you know, like I woke, you know, by the grace of God, I I was given another shot at this, but, you know, I know that I can't avoid dying. No one can, right. It's inevitable. And my vibe is that after experiencing that, 
I had an unfinished movie. Like the 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 flash, my life flashing before my eyes at twenty eight or twenty nine years old. It was just not. A, it just was insufficient. You mm. know what I mean? And so, um, I'm 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 actually in the practice of living my life, living a life w- worth dying for. Right? Like I don't. I don't know. Like I I think that. Uh, I put, I had, I had built up everything. I mean, dude, you know, like I'm not a woe is me person and I'm not a a victim person. I experienced what it was like to have everything I'd ever dreamed of. And I lost it because of my principles. Right. And because I'm hard headed and I refuse to shut the fuck up. Mm. So I got taken, but in the process of that being taken away, it's painful, but what you realize is you're not identified in those things. And now, you know, now I'm just living my life. And I'm, I put my, I put music out. I say whatever I want in my artwork. I put my songs out. I'm doing fine. I'm, you know, I'm making people thank God people still support me. Um, and they buy my records. And, um, but now I'm like living like every moment, like, I, I basically am living like the hammer is going to come down, mm-hmm. right? I'm anticipating that one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to pin us in a position. And when I say they, I mean, you know, the super pact of corporation and government and the World Economic Forum, their plans for us are so that we're immobilized. You know, that's what I fear. I fear that their plans for us are that they're going to tax us for driving too far. They're going to say we can't go on a plane because we sent a tweet, or, you know, because I'm, I'm basing their, the future model of what they're trying to install mm-hmm. as the current model of China. And if that's the case, there's two things I can do. Like, it, and it's, I'm clear-pilled. I'm like, I'm going to live the best fucking life I can until they take everything away. And when it comes time to for the shit to go down, just I'll just I'm a, I'm there. I'm yeah, like yeah. cool. Show me where, where am I? Go, where do I go? Just be ready you know I mean? for uh, you know, yeah. like it, it don't don't live a life like look it, people at the end of their lives. I found this to be an iron law. Uh, they don't regret the things they did. They regret the things they didn't do. Typically, right? Um, and you don't want to be stuck in that position, man. That's that's got to be a shitty way to go out. Um, take the, it's like the it's like they say take the trip ask the girl out mm. go for the job whatever you know whatever it is that anybody wants to do that they think they can't you got nothing to lose yeah you have absolutely nothing to lose yeah big time yeah um you know last question this one's from the audience that they want to know if you're going to do a tour anytime soon yeah i'm going to schedule um so I had postponed my tour last late August because I had uh, I had to have a vocal procedure, mm. but uh, I'm all good. The doctor gave me a clean bill of health. Um, I'm probably gonna do something going out this summer. I think it's important to note this. It's very difficult for me to tour because there are there are certain companies and massive conglomerate companies that don't want me on the marquee. They specifically don't have told, you know, like my agent is, is I, I signed with a pretty big agent, but they're like, the venues don't want to MAGA this, just, literally just because I voted for this dude. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's really like, 
it's a grassroots effort, right? Every time we go number one, number three, number four, every time we hit Billboard, it's literally based on social media and my email list of me directly emailing my fan base. And when they support it, we have so much numbers and volume that the industry can't keep up. And they hate that. And they hate what I represent. And so they constantly try, will try to undermine me. So they'll try to sabotage my tours. Uh, and when I say they, there are people who I can't name legally. There are, these are actual real entities and real people mm. who are invested, not, um, not remaining competition in the marketplace. It's not personal, right? They don't want, they don't want, they want their industry free of like the patriotic guy. Mm -hmm. Because their whole audience base is that, and they, that that's their way of like suffocating it. Yeah, for sure. They don't they don't want to allow that, and it, and they know what happens. So, um, so I'm working on it. I'm hoping that uh, this spring I'm out, and I'll be doing two tours this year in the states. I'll be doing a run of shows with my death metal band from 15 years ago. The guys called me. We're all gonna get together with former members of Machine Head. And then I'm gonna do my uh, my solo stuff, which is uh, will include my my three new records that came out last year uh, and the Bad Wolves catalog. And I will be recruiting Chris, who quit Bad Wolves, into joining my my band. Sweet, cool. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to it. Um, yeah, keep us posted on that. And thanks for uh, thanks for coming today. We appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we got to do this. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Yeah, you too. Absolutely. Uh, and thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.